This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Kylie Camps, owner of the kind parenting company, wife, proud mum of twin boys and happiness advocate. This podcast is a place for women who want more from life. It's your time to cultivate more self-care, compassion, happiness, love and confidence. Let's have real conversations to help you feel better Choose better and live your best life. Welcome to episode number 22. Today's podcast is completely dedicated to a topic that I'm super passionate about, and I receive lots and lots of questions about this topic as well. And that is how to choose the right daycare for you and your family. So, for today's episode, I have a very special guest joining me. Her name is Kirby Morrison. Kirby operates the learning studio Family Daycare from her home in northern New South Wales. Kirby is a strong advocate for a child's right to play and she offers a holistic program that nourishes the child's whole self. Kirby completed a Diploma of Children's Services in 2007 and worked in long daycare centres with children from six weeks old right up until six years old before she moved to a beautiful community-based preschool in Byron Bay. During this time, she began studying a Bachelor of Education, majoring in early childhood, and is just a few subjects shy of completion. And I can say from my own personal experience, Kirby is the best educator I have ever, ever had the chance to meet. She is the educator who um, cared for our own boys, after we had a really poor experience with a long daycare center. It was a bit like fate. I was playing at a park with the boys and I started chatting with Kirby because her two girls were there and we didn't exchange any details or anything like that. But a few weeks later, she sent me a message on Instagram because I think her friends had recommended she listen to my Instagram stories, which were speaking about daycare. And then she realized that I was the mum she'd been talking to and we struck up a conversation from there and Kirby mentioned that she was going to be starting her family daycare and straight away I was like, yep, sign us up because she just has such a beautiful energy and it's so clear how passionate she is about children and their wellness and their right to just be kids. Kirby has also done some live chats for us in our private Facebook forums And we always get such amazing feedback because her knowledge and her warmth is just so valuable. So today I have Kirby with me right now and we're going to get stuck into this episode, starting with a great question about how to choose the right daycare. And this is definitely not a small question. There are so many moving parts to it and lots of different things to look at. First things first. What are the differences between family daycare and long daycare and whatever other options are available? So your options when choosing care for your child are long daycare, which is usually from six weeks that the child can start, and that goes through to six years. That has often a number of rooms, a number of educators, and it's... So a long daycare is a daycare centre, effectively? Yeah, got it. And there's usually lots of staff, um, which means lots of children. Yeah. Um, I, we're in New South Wales, so we have lots of community-based or privately owned preschools, which is generally from three to five, six years. They are often a little bit smaller um, as they only have one or two classes. And then there's family daycare, which is what I do at the moment, and... 
they have four children a day. Um, we can have seven. Um, so we have four under five and then we can have three children that are school age children for before or after school care or holiday care. And family daycare is just typically one educator? Yes, always one educator. Um, there are some that have two, but that does not affect the ratio. Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. So there are, like, in my scheme that I'm with, we have a mother-daughter duo who are fantastic, and they just work together with the four children a day. Um, yeah. And so when you say scheme, that's the... That's what you call the family daycare. Um, like the structure. Well, there's all different clumps of family daycares. So there's, right. you know, my, the scheme that I'm with is Rainbow Bridge Family Daycare. <laughs> <laughs> Quick little plug there for Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just little pockets of, like, little companies that yeah. govern and support the educators. Which I think is really important because even I had this kind of preconceived notion about family daycare, that it would be, like, a bit loose and there wasn't as much governing which is why originally we opted for a longer family daycare because in my mind I thought that seemed like the more I don't know organized or safer option and how wrong I was in our experience Um, I'm sure there's exceptions for both but yeah it's really it's an interesting one and it can be hard to make that decision so um yeah do you want to tell us a bit more about just on that I think people are frightened of leaving their child with possibly just one person in their home. Mm. Um, I know that when you first started, you did mention that, that it was, well, you, you know, there's no horror one. stories. Yeah, like, there's no one watching out yeah, to make there's sure. there's no management, you know, and yeah. I am kind of like the can I speak to the manager type <laughs> of gal. <laughs> um, and so to me I was like, oh, my gosh, there's only one person. What if that one person, you know, something happens to them Mm. or you just, you hear so many stories. I remember um, a friend sent me a message on Instagram saying that they'd had an experience with a family daycare where they arrived to collect their son who was really young at the time. And the educator was sat on the couch watching TV, eating KFC. And I was (laughs) like, okay, that's not like, that's obviously the exception because Kirby would never do that. What do you mean? I do it all the time. (laughs) She's joking. Um, But yeah, there's just, there can be, you know, you have different attachments to what you feel is safe. And I know in our experience, we thought, oh, we'll opt for the centre because there's more Mm. staff. I thought there was more, um, like more rules and stuff like that in terms of staffing. But I'll share a bit more in our story Mm. later. Well, they, all three of those are governed by the same regulations. So the regulations fall under the National Quality Framework and that's um, the national law and national regulations. So they all have standards that they have to uphold and they get assessed and rated. So this little ditty that I'm about to say um, I've pulled from the ASEQA website, which is the Australian Children's Education and Care Quality Authority. This is Kirby's screensaver. (laughs) (laughs) Must uphold the law. The national law and national regulations outline the legal obligations of approved providers, so that's the set, the childcare settings, nominated supervisors and educators and explain the powers and functions of the state and territory regulation, uh, regulatory, excuse me, authorities and a CEQA. So that's the website that I've got it from. So if you Google Um, Australian Children's Education and Care Quality Authority. There's heaps and heaps and heaps of information on there for families. Um, And they also have lots of links to the laws if you want to learn about that. If you were so inclined. (laughs) I have read a few. I'm sure you have too. Kirby can spiel them (laughs) off for you. So, But, yeah, that's a good website. Yeah, definitely a handy resource. So in terms of trying to work out whether you do want to look into family daycare (laughs) or long daycare, how would you make that decision for yourself as a family, I guess? Well, you really need to first decide what is available in your area or your radius between Mm. home and work. And I guess also your needs, hey? Absolutely. Your needs and what you value. Yeah, Um, what you want. Yeah, Because for some people it is going, 
you know what, I do work a 12-hour day, so I need yep. to be able to drop my baby, my toddler, my child yep. somewhere at 6 a.m. And it might not be exactly what you want, but that's yep. what you need at this point in time. So that would probably rule out family daycare, wouldn't it? Just um, because... Not always, okay. no. So gen- like generally the long daycares are 6 to 6. Yep. So I know that in some cities they do even longer days than wow. that. Um, and I know that there's overnight care and stuff available in different areas. Um, preschools are generally preschool hours. I think after they've, the last government came in, they changed a few things. So it's now our local ones, eight till three 30, where it used to be nine till three, just so that the children can get the hours up because it's very important to access education from a qualified early childhood teacher. (laughs) Um, and Basically, the family daycare, the educator sets the hours that suit them. Right. So, so if they want to start at six or if they have families, mm-hmm. it depends on what area too, I guess, you're in if you've got. So that might not be the overriding factor in what you need to look at, but looking at definitely, okay, what hours do you want to utilise just yep. so you have that information? <laughs> What's within a realistic radius for you to travel to? Yep. Um, and then also what your values are and what you want to get out. From the daycare? Yeah, and do they align with your family? Do you... Yeah, that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Yeah. So once you kind of work out a little bit about your needs, you might rule out one or the other based off the hours and your goals, or you might sort of sit in the middle and go, you know what, I really need to investigate both. And in that case, it would come down to doing your research, finding out what is available, what's close by. And I guess Google is the place that you would start for yeah. for that, wouldn't you? Like, obviously, you probably are familiar with places in your area anyway, but just sitting down and writing out lists of places that you can visit or that might be a potential fit for you and your family. And then once you have that list, visiting them. Absolutely. Visit, visit as many as possible. Yep. And when you walk into a service, you get a feeling for yeah. it. Just yeah. trust your gut. Yeah. I, yeah, I know that. When I was looking for care for my eldest, I went to a local long day care and I stood in the corridor for <laughs> at least 10 minutes with people walking past me that didn't even acknowledge me. So, and that's fair to say, indicator. I no. walked out. <laughs> I am a big fan of visiting a lot of places because same, I know when I started looking at options for the boys, I would go into one place and be like, oh, this place is kind of good because I didn't really have like a knowledge of what I was looking for at that time. You know, I had some base level, but not extensive. And I would go in and I think, oh, this place is okay. Like it could be worth a try. And then I'd go to another place and be like, oh, this place is so much better than the other <laughs> place based off the staff. And then the next place, you know what I mean? So the more places you visit, the more of, I guess, an educated decision you can make. Yeah. And so when you are standing in those places, whether it's a family daycare or a center, what do you suggest people do? Look around and ask yourself, does this look like a place my child would thrive? And also look at the kids that are there. Are they happy? Yeah. Are they being cared for? <laughs> yeah. Um, I just wanted to add there that it really is the staff that make the centre. hundred um, percent. Yeah. If you can have all the bells and whistles and have, you know, Japanese and... Zen gardens and <laughs> waterfalls. Art and... class. Um and all Master that, it looks amazing, <laughs> but it really comes down to the staff. If Yeah, definitely. Where we used to live, there was a centre really close by to our house. And I thought this would just be amazing because they have a reptile enclosure. They have chicken coops. They had a water park where kids could play in it. There was so many cool things at that centre. But when I went in, I just couldn't connect with any of the, the teachers, with any of the educators. I was really struggling And I saw a lot of educators in clumps talking together and, you know, kids crying and not being attended to and things like that. And I thought, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it does not matter how fancy the equipment is or how modern things are. I'm just giggling. Do you remember when you and Matt and the boys came to visit me for the first time? And my garage. You didn't have anything. (laughs) It was just a garage with nothing. It was like a cave. Flooring and tools on the ground. But this is what I mean. This goes to show that I'm all about trusting the person because, you know, had you showed me Kirby's garage (laughs) with its tools and it wasn't done, you know, without knowing Kirby, I probably would have been like, "Mm, this might not be a fit for us. And maybe we are better to stay at the center that has the Zen garden and all of those things. But it's the people. 
It is 100% the people because those fancy modern features, they're not going to get up and give your kid a hug and a kiss and comfort them. They're not going to communicate with you at the end of the day about how your child's gone. So really focusing on the staff. And I guess when it comes to staff, what questions do you think are important to ask? So before you um, ask the staff any questions, um, just observe and see do the educators get down to the children's level and when they're speaking with them? Um, How are the staff interacting when you're there? As you said, are they purposeful in their interactions with the children? Mm. And, you know, that doesn't mean being hands-on all the time. Yeah. Um, They could be engaging with the children or supporting them from the outskirts because that's really important too, that, that there's a difference between that and just chill and waiting for their shift to end, yeah. you know. Or having care. And you, you can tell, yeah, and yeah. you can tell what what they're trying to do. And look around, are the children happy? Are they engaged? Um, do educators take the time to speak with you? Yeah, that's a big one. Um, I also think too, I know when I would drop into daycare centres, a lot of the time you deal with the centre manager Mm. and it's important to actually stop and engage with the educators themselves because a lot of the times the centre managers, they're really good, they're really personable, they know the spiel, they know the story. It's because it's their job. Well, absolutely, and that's what I'm saying, but they're not doing, you know, they're not in the trenches looking after your kid. So it's stopping and, like Kirby said, observing how the how they're caring for the kids. Well, the child's not going to have much interaction with the front of house person anyway. It's the the staff (laughs) member. Unless they get them to work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I just added on here, and we've sort of spoke about that a little bit, about all the gadgets in the world and beautiful toys don't really matter. So are the children allowed to get messy? Are they allowed to explore and take risks? Kirby's smiling because my kids were not messy kids. (laughs) they came to the learning studio like they wouldn't even wear like take their shoes off to go outside would they they'd have to have they had to have double socks and boots at one point because i had ants they were a bit precious we'd be living at our other place and we didn't have a backyard and so like they weren't they they were not mud pie kids before they started going to the learning studio it's so important to just let them be kids out and then that's what daycare's for yeah you know you get to do all the incredibly messy and crazy stuff that you don't want to mess up your house (laughs) (laughs) Matt doesn't want to mess up the house (laughs) no just are they look are you looking around and seeing happy kids that are allowed to take risks and play and just be kids yeah or are they being made to sit down and complete this painting that they're going to be put on the wall and then there's 25 of the same sort of thing yeah like that grinds my gears yeah what creativity is happening well that might be another episode (laughs) (laughs) we might we might invite Kirby back she got a little little tense then (laughs) so just you know observing are they allowed free play another question that is really important to ask is about staff turnover this is more so in a long daycare center yeah or a preschool I guess yeah yeah, because I guess high staff turnover is a well, good it, indication of morale in the centre. Um, sometimes just looking around as well and observing how the staff interact, that can tell you about morale as well. Yeah. Are they jovial with one another? You know, do they all seem happy to be there? Yeah, and because when I used to work in long daycare many, many, many years ago, I didn't have a great experience. This is my personal experience. Um, and... Really, it took away from my love for the kids. I actually at one point started researching doing real estate because it was that hard to be at work in that sort of environment and it wasn't the children. It was the staff and the manager. Yeah, right. And that's what I've heard from a lot of educators who have worked in long daycare is that it becomes more about the numbers and less about the actual quality of care and interacting with kids as individuals, which is really sad because I think that most people get into childcare because they have that passion. Yeah, for sure. And so then to be put in a workplace where it's not nurtured and encouraged to be all about the kids and, you know, I know myself, one of my friends actually owns a daycare and she was saying that there's so much... There's so many duties that the educators have to complete. You know, it's not, they're not just there to care for the kids. They've got to make sure the centre is clean. They've got to uphold all of the front of house of stuff. There's a lot, like a lot of pressure on them, which 
you know, I can imagine kind of sucks the soul out of their job. Yeah, and for sure with long daycare, they have the most numbers Mm. in a service compared to a preschool, which is generally smaller. Yeah. And then family daycare is even smaller. So there's a lot to manage. Yeah, a lot of moving parts. Yeah, and I guess in long daycare, they are generally open most days apart from the public holidays. Yeah. Like they don't close down, whereas preschools generally yeah they run the same term as the school School holidays yeah I mean that's giving the staff a chance to really take a breather and look after themselves and I think that really is the difference because educators suffer burnout just like primary school teachers absolutely and I think we've all you know I can't speak for everyone but I'm sure a lot of people listening have been in a position themselves when they've been in a job that they're not truly happy in and it mostly affects the quality of work that you do so it's you know it doesn't take a genius to realize that if a daycare center is not treating their staff well they're not going to thrive as much and you know that unfortunately can come at the cost of how well your child is cared for not in all centers but for sure in some yeah agreed so asking how much you know what is the staff turnover is a really powerful one because if the center manager turns around and says to you oh all of our staff members have been here for five or ten years, you're going to go, oh, you know what, they're doing something right. Yeah, for sure. But if she says, oh, well, it's June and we've had six different educators in room one, Mm. you're going to raise your eyebrows a little bit and go, okay, you know what, what's going on and also what would that mean for my child because it's not going to allow them a chance to really bond and connect with one carer if, you know, if there's a really high turnover. So asking that. And then also um, asking about qualifications. Mm. And this is a topic that I found really interesting when when Kirby spoke in our live forum because I think a lot of us just assumed that all of the educators in a long daycare were qualified. Yes. Not necessarily so. Not every single person. Yeah. Um, I will run a few things off and I've... Got this from a few websites, basically the SQL website that we discussed before. Um, I just wanted to give everyone the actual specific details about this in um, terms of I've just talked about long daycare and family daycare at this point because oh, there's a little bit about preschool, but anyway. These are the legit details. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> um, in a centre-based service, so a long daycare, um It basically depends on how many staff, I mean, sorry, how many children there are in a setting. So some have four or five rooms of 20 Mm. to 25 kids, like, so they're going to need more staff. So I'm just going to read this. So so in a centre-based service, which is long daycare, um, children preschool age and under, only 50% of the educators required to meet relevant ratios must have or be actively working towards at least a diploma level qualification. All other staff members, educators, must have or be actively working towards at least an approved Certificate 3 level. So there's the Certificate 3 level and then on top of that is the diploma and then there's an early childhood teacher. So for preschool-aged children, specifically in their year before going to school, must have access to an ECT, which is an early childhood teacher, um, but the, t- the time requirement to have them on site differs depending on the number of children in the centre. So it's about six hours per day requirement. But back to the um, ASEQA website, the Australian Children's Education and Care Quality Authority, they have a table on there that's... Um, so if you've got a 50-place centre, you only need an early childhood teacher on site for that amount of time. Mm-hmm. So if, if you know how big your centre is, you can go on there and have a look. Um, at the table and that can give you more information Um, and I just wanted to touch on what actively working towards actually means so it means you're enrolled and have started your study um, and you're meeting the requirements to maintain an enrollment in saying that here we go (laughs) drop us some truth in saying that like that's very a gray area Mm. the meeting requirements to maintain enrollment um if you're doing it do? distance education, you could be just chipping away at that 
for a long time, really. So it doesn't mean that you're completing modules at a certain rate. It just means that you're enrolled and you're holding your place. It yeah, could, well, it could it mean could. that. Yeah, well, it, I guess it really depends on where and who you're doing your training through. Um, but there are a lot of places out there that don't chase up on that very often. Interesting. Hmm. And so when it comes to family daycare? So for family daycare, a educator must hold or be actively working towards at, at least an approved level three, uh, sorry, certificate three, which I think is absolutely mental mm. um, because in a certificate three, it's you don't really learn a whole heap. And for someone who's gone from long daycare to preschool to now family daycare, you wear every single hat and you have all the responsibilities of the director, the early childhood teacher, the assistant, the accounts manager, the cleaner. Everything. You be everything. Yeah. <laughs> and for someone to only be a certificate towards. three or working towards having just been enrolled in it. Keeping, that, keeping in mind what working towards can mean. Yeah. That is crazy. So, so does that mean someone could actually open a daycare centre and be caring for kids? Yes, a family daycare. Wow. They okay. can, yeah, obviously family. they have to have their um, first aid training, their CPR training done. Mm. They have to have completed, you know, have their, their child card. protection. They have to have their blue card, their police checks, their asthma and anaphylaxis training. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Food handling and safety. So all of Bloody the OHS stuff, There's, yeah, but not that, actually the, the nitty gritty that you want someone to have who's caring for your, your child. Yes. That's scary. And do you... Like, have you personally ever experienced? Yes. Like, don't name names, um, but do you know that names? Yes. Wow. Yes. And are parents made aware of that or no? Not unless they ask. I don't think unless they ask. Which means you I need would to ask. ask. <laughs> the qualification is important. Yeah. So say you're in a family day, you're at a family daycare. Do you just point, like point blank say, what is your actual qualification? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. What is your experience working with children? Mm -hmm. What is your qualification? And they should probably have that displayed anyway. Well, they they? should have it displayed, yeah. Yeah. Right, and same in the centre, you want to ask that exact question, what are the qualifications of the staff? Yeah, in In each room. In each room or, you know, specifically in the room that your child will go in. Mm -hmm. But I guess, yeah. And it's funny because before we started recording this podcast, you know, we were sort of going over the information that we wanted to include. And I said, it might sound crazy to Kirby, but some parents really aren't confident in asking that question because they don't want to come across as rude or um, like they don't trust the center. So it can take a lot of balls for some parents to open their mouth and ask that question, but you are well within your right. Absolutely. You're your child's advocate. You need to not be afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Not be afraid and know your stuff too yeah absolutely be informed yeah you have to know know everything really another question you know we can talk more about qualifications as well but just what's in my mind is another question to ask is about um fire safety and how (laughs) they approach that how often they do fire drills what their plan plan is asked me that question (laughs) yeah matt would have asked kirby that question and you know what you can laugh kirby but i have been in a situation (laughs) at a gym crate where i asked that question because the ratios were wild and i said if there's a fire how are you going to get all Mm. of these kids safely outside and it was you know on the second level and it was just kind of I just thought this is a nightmare waiting to happen if a fire happens and of course Matt's a firefighter so it's at the front of my mind um and she said oh we'd manage and I just thought yeah you know what that's not really clear enough for me like I want to know how yeah like how are you going to get all of these kids out so asking that question and it might put some educators on the spot that's good that's okay yeah Mm. you want them to be asked those questions and have the answers you want them to say oh this is how we do it. This is our protocol. This is where we meet. We um, have fire drills this often, blah, blah, blah. You can also um, find out in each state what what centre requirements are needed for fire safety as well because I know that for Matt's job, he goes around to centres and checks things, you know, to make sure that the gate opens a certain way and there's all other things like that as well that you could find out if you are so inclined. So something else to ask? 
So um, asking, has the service been quality rated? And if so, what is the service's rating? Um, so I feel like everyone will be taking notes. Got to ask do. qualifications, fire <laughs> procedures. <laughs> what is the service quality rating? So the national quality standard is basically a national benchmark for um, how a service operates and areas this is across that are, both. This is yeah. This is across all everything, all services and settings in Australia. This is national. Um, so it's basically they're trying to raise the bar for in all these areas that I'm going to tell you um, to support the best outcomes for children. Um, so the first quality area is the educational program of practice. Um, the second quality area is about children's health and safety. The third quality area is the physical environment. The fourth quality area is about staffing arrangements. The fifth quality area is about relationships with the children. The sixth quality area is collaborative partnerships with families and communities. And the last one, number seven, is about governance and leadership. So these are the areas that... The All centres are rated in. Yeah, and that is important mm. when looking after children. And so as parents, we have access to find out what each centre is rated? Yes. Okay, and do we get access to that by asking the centre or is there a resource? Um, yes, there should be... It should be up on their wall. Um, there have been places that maybe haven't been rated before yet right. because it's they're still sort of rolling it over across the board um, but most should um, but the information will be up it at the service um, I'm pretty sure you can look it up online though right and so how is it rated is it you know out of five is it you know like what's the rating so it's not like a one to five thing it's a no um, it's a broken down into all the different areas so in some areas you might get an amazing result for you know your relationship with the children but maybe not so great at the physical environment yeah, yeah. so and then you'll get an overall rating at the end but basically there's the best rating you can get is an excellent rating um, and then it goes exceeding and then meeting national quality standards or working towards or you might need to improve which is significant improvement required um, they usually give you a chance to redeem yourself and mm -hmm. fix a few things um, but yeah that's so powerful to know I think just as a parent to be able to say you know what is your rating and just to have that language and understanding when they say what whatever the rating is to be able to go okay you know what that's kind of below what I was hoping for yeah. oh, wow that's really impressive that they've maintained this excellent standard for yeah you know, X amount of years or months or whatever it is, just having that knowledge is good. It is very hard to get excellent, I have to say. I'm sure the learning studio gets excellent oh. regularly. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no problems. Um, but again, on the Asequa website, which I've said about 20 times, um, you can We can put this in the show this. notes. That's too. a good idea because it has everything and I'm pretty sure it even probably has a link to... There is a website that I cannot remember for the life of me this very minute mm -hmm. that you can go on and check what rating service yeah. the ratings in your area are. You'll probably think of it when you drive away. So probably. just send me a voice message okay. and I'll be sure to jot that down <laughs> so that I can let people know. Yes. Um, so it's some other questions that we've got there. What is the ratio of staff to children, which I think we've covered. Yep. Yep. Yeah, pretty so much. just powerful to know yep. that. Um you know, what are your policies and procedures when it comes to sleep and rest? Also behaviour guidance. Yeah. And just having a look at that and seeing if they align with yours as well. Mm. Um, do you have an open door policy? So can you come and visit any time? I think that's important. You want to be able to sort of show up and surprise them. <laughs> Surely nowhere would say no to that. Well, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> no, you cannot pop in any time. Okay. No. Um, and then I've just written down a few things about housekeeping, like you need to know about fees and charges, um, charges for public holidays or sick days, operating times and closures, you know. Mm -hmm. Standard things. Yeah. And we've already spoken about the staff turnover. That was my last thing on that list. Perfect. Oh, I found one last thing. So if you know that your child has 
things like anaphylaxis or asthma, you obviously want to really talk to them up front about that. Before you choose a daycare. Before you choose. And obviously they're going to be trained in that, but not everybody in the service needs to have those qualifications. Mm. Um, In family daycare, obviously we have to because it's just us. Um, But if you know your child has some sensory processing issues or specific learning needs. Or even if you just suspect it. Or suspect at a young it. age, yeah. you might not know for sure. Yeah, and if you're talking to them up front about that and they sort of glaze over or look at you like, I have no idea what you're talking about, lady, mm. then I feel like that's a red flag. Right. And um, I know with my own daughter she had a few issues when she was younger and I continually raised them with her daycare and... The director eventually told me we don't know anything about additional needs. Mm, and I thought, well, go and read a book, love. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Let me, let me send you a link. <laughs> yeah, but I think being really upfront um, is important because if you decide, wow, this is an amazing centre and then you already Enroll know. Enroll and yeah, you start going Yeah, you go through that process and then you think, oh, this was not a good choice for me because. You could end up feeling really disappointed. Yeah. So I think being upfront with what you want and what you expect and what your child's needs are. And just, I guess, because having a conversation with someone, you'll be able to tell whether they have experience with that or not straight away. Yeah. Like you said, they'll either glaze over or they'll be able to add to the conversation and it will comfort you. Yeah. Knowing that they have knowledge. Yeah. And I mean, not everybody in the service needs to know everything and all and everything. Um, You know, if you ask an educator and they don't know, then... Ask another one in the centre. Yeah, I mean, they could say, well, I don't know, I'm a trainee or I'm a whatever. Mm. But you know what? Yeah. Leanne in the next room, yeah, she's she amazing. she knows, exactly, and that that's fine. Yeah. So once you've taken your checklists in and you've answered all the questions and the centres are glad to see the back of you <laughs> because you came in so prepared, um, then you'll be able to make an informed decision on what centre you want to try for your family. And you might not get it right the first time. You might end up moving. But when it does come to setting your baby or your toddler up for success, starting daycare, Kirby has some tips to share with us. Yeah. So when you're transitioning your little one to care, so before you even start, um, your child starts for their first day, visit as many times as you can with your child and stay with them. You know, you might pop it in the morning for a little play and then bring some morning tea along and you can join in with their morning tea session and then go home. Mm. Another time you might pop in in the afternoon or and just be there, especially for some of the transition times because that's often hard for many children. You know, it's might be all fun and games when they're playing outside and they're happy, but when it comes time to gather and... Pack up the toys. Pack and up the toys. <laughs> move in or, for a snack. Yeah, that is a hard time for many children. So if you're staying there with them, for little plays at different periods of the day over time before they start, mm. that's really going to set them up for success because they already know that they're starting to recognise the routine and the rhythms and you're there, they know and that... They can become familiar. Yeah, and they they get the sense that you actually trust the place too, which is really important. Mm. And I guess it also gives you the chance to really see how things roll because, for sure. <laughs> you know, when you come in as a... Spy cam. Yes, spy cam. <laughs> and you come in as a prospective parent, it's one thing. And then when you're actually in the centre, you know, in the daycare educators, they're getting on with their day, their tasks, mm. their checklists. You can really see how they interact with one another and with the kids and get yeah. a good vibe and a good feel. So coming in at different times of the day is really good because you can, like like Kirby said, expose your kids to different parts of the day. Yeah, I just think that's important. And I know a lot of people don't have the time to do it. So This is perfect world. Like yeah, yeah. And I guess if you know if you're a mum returning, trying to return back to work yeah. after having your baby, think about it, you know, Give quite a time. long time before you actually know that you have to start work and make the choices and then give the children time. And I actually think that if you are transitioning back to work, start your child not on your first day no, of work. No, I was just about to say that. <laughs> start them, you know, a week or two before. Even a month before. Even before. De- yeah. like, depending on your child. If, yeah. You know, you know your child best at the end and of the day. And financially and all yeah. those things. Yeah. Um, and just I really am a huge advocate for starting with shorter days, um, picking your child up often before rest time because mm. rest time is another tricky situation when 
they're just starting out. And I, I remember when the boys started going to the learning studio, Kirby would say, pick them up when they're happy. Like don't <laughs> yeah. get, don't let them get to the point where they're exhausted from their first day. Yeah. And so it was, it was like three hours, four hours yeah. to begin with. Build them up. And you don't want them to be picked up in distress and then leave with a sour taste in their mouth. Yeah. You want them to Go think, happily. wow, that was so fun. Mum came and got me. It was awesome. Just like a play date. Like I always yeah. say at play dates, we're going to go while we're all happy. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to get to totally. the point where we're all overtired. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's always best to end on a more positive note. Um, and then, yeah, you can gradually build up to the time and I guess – with my family daycare families, I'm, you know, just flick them a text or... I was just going to say that as well. That's yeah. one, of the, one of the benefits of family daycare, I think, is having it's that friendship with the carer. It's more personal, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's like a quick emoji, thumbs up, like they're good <laughs> yeah. to go. You or don't a little, get them yet. little photo yeah, of yeah. them smiling yeah, after them. they were just pretending to cry. <laughs> makes the world of difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so building up to longer days is good and... Um, before you start, create, if you, especially if you know your child may have some separation anxiety or you're a little bit worried about how they're going to go leaving you, maybe it's their first time in care, create and agree upon a drop-off plan with the child's main educator. So important. Yes. And I get that in some places, you know, they might not start, like they might have rotating rosters or whatever. Mm. So that can be a little bit tricky. So maybe try and work out one or two educators in that instance that can be their sort of primary people. We've also even shared in our forum, if it's if you can't connect with a carer for that reason, you know, one week they start early, the next mm. week they start late, all of that stuff, can your child form a bond with one of the front of house? Like yeah. the receptionist will give yeah. them a big welcome hug or, you know, walk them from yeah. entry into their room. And settle them with something, yeah. Yeah, just that familiar face. Yeah. So speaking of that drop-off plan, what's an example of that just so, for parents who are unsure what that means? So I like to think calm, quick and predictable. So <laughs> that's my little ditty. So Life motto. Yeah, totally. Um, so... Create it with your child and the educator and in regards to what their service offers. So, you know, some have, for my kids, we've got a little fridge, so they have their morning jobs. They put their bag away, they put their lunch away, they put their hat on, mum signs the book. That's the first thing that they do. So it might be different in a long daycare where you're providing food or whatever. So... But they can always put their bag away, get ready to go outside or whatever they do. And then I always say, choose an activity that has an ending. Yeah. Not, to do with Not them. an open game. No, we're not going to play in the sandpit or yeah. play hide and seek over and over again. Choose a story, one or two stories or a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Sit down with them and that can be your thing that you do before, each, morning. each morning. So you do your morning jobs then you do a little something that has an ending that they like and then you always say goodbye. Never leave, never, ever, ever sneak, sneak away. Up. I know it's so tempting but it just doesn't build that trust. No, and, and this is something that we've never done with the boys yeah. but we were always encouraged to do in long daycare no. was educators would sort of go, you know, and again, this is just my experience. I definitely know that there are great, great centres out there but in my experience we were encouraged yeah. to sneak out. Like, yeah. we're going to distract them and you sneak out. And I'm like, no, that's not okay. Like, no. That's not okay. No. And just saying that one goodbye, you know, have the best day. I love you. I love you. I'll be back. I'll be back, you know. And if you've agreed upon a time, mm-hmm. say that. Yeah. You know, I'll be back before lunch today or I'll be back after lunch today or after recent or I'll pick you up you know, when you're playing outside. Even now, one of my boys says to me, see you in six hours, mum. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, buddy, see you in six hours. That's so That's good. He says at the library before I leave, but he has that context of going, this is how long yeah. he's going to be apart from me. And That's I, how he copes yeah. with that time. Yeah. Yeah. And you can guess which child it is too, I'm yes. sure. Yes. <laughs> So on saying goodbye, I've written, this can be done the same way each day. So you could go inside at a window and wave, have a kiss and say goodbye, or it can be outside at the gate, whatever you think your child would benefit better from. They're also different because I remember some kids do really well with waving goodbye to mum and dad. Not so much mine. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, but some kids love that. Like if you've got a, um, like a gate out the front or a playground out the front yeah. where I know at my old preschool we had the road and then, you know, they would be like, mum's going to beat the horn or dad's going to wave out the window. They thought it was so cool mm. and that was like a distraction for them. Yeah, and just part of the routine. Yeah, and part of the routine that they know what's going to happen. So and it, you know your child best, so make a plan for that. Mm-hmm. Um or you could trans your, or you could transition your child to their favorite activity instead of doing the goodbye thing at the gate or at the window. Yeah. If you know you've finished your book or your story or whatever, and you know they love trucks in the sandpit, or yeah. you know they love Play-Doh or yeah. whatever, Mum's going to go to work now. And yeah. You're going to go. You go with whatever her name is yeah. and go and do your activity, mm-hmm. um, and just hand them over to the educator. Mm-hmm. And I know it's so hard, especially when kids are crying, mummy or it's daddy, the worst. and grabbing onto you like a little koala bear kylie's got a sad face it's i'm so... the worst i'm so weak when it comes like, to drop off just go girlfriend <laughs> kirby's like i've got this um you know it is so hard but i find quick is better and mm. often they do calm down and just say to the educators please call me if they're not if you're in a position when you can especially in the transition period, you pick them up if they're that sad. Yeah, if you've got flexibility. If and that's why starting early is helpful. Well, yeah. and that transition. Yeah, most of the children that I've worked with, when you do that, the transition period before they start and then start with the shorter days and work up, they really don't seem to have an issue mm. generally. Yeah, they transition so well. Um, and what if? Like kids are really struggling and they're having difficulty from separating from mum or dad. So work with the educator to create a plan similar to what we've just discussed. Um, If your child's still struggling, a visual schedule at their service can be really helpful. Um, Or you could create a social story to read at home and in care. It can also be very beneficial. So um, social stories you can make. There's Make yourself with photos um, of the service, where their bag goes, maybe their key educator. Um, it's pretty much just you can do it on a PDF document or, some, or a Word yeah. doc. Take some pictures or the service can make them and you say, you know, I go to the learning studio. Yeah. I put my bag here. I say goodbye to, to my mum. Yeah. yeah, and just go through the motions of the day or even that first bit of the day they can get that out and be like, oh, we've done that. So now I play. And then at the end of the book, it's like, and then my mum comes. Yeah. Or, I think you have that printed out, something like that printed out, kind of like the run of the day, don't you, yes. in the learning studio? Because the boys, we would look at that. Okay, yeah. so you're going to do X, Y, Z, yeah. and then we'll be back at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's a really good tool. Like you can make um, little laminated visual schedules of the day with like a little... You can even do it at home, like I was just gonna say a that. little yeah. sticky, like a Velcro, that's the word I'm looking for, the Velcro dots, and you go, okay, wow, like I do it at home with my kids. We've done breakfast, rip it off, put it on the finished box. Mm, because when kids know what to expect, they're a little bit calmer. Oh, when, yeah. They just they they kids love that rhythm and routine predictability. and predictability. It's safe for them. Absolutely. And if they can see that we've done outside time, we've done morning circle, we've had morning tea. They're progressing through They can the day. see and they can visually rip it off and put it onto the next column or in the finished box and they're like, wow. And if they're having a hard time, they're like, wow, we've only got to rip four more things off and then mum and dad are coming. Like, And the other thing that would work for some kids as well, I think we've got it in our toddler life program, is talking about making a chart of the week. So yeah. Monday through to Sunday and then you can have a photo of your child mm-hmm. and talk about where they're going on that day. Yeah. So Monday is a learning studio day, Tuesday is a home day, Wednesday is a day with nanny or whatever yeah. it is, just so that they know what to expect the next morning. Absolutely. So that they don't feel like it's sprung on them. You know, even though my two still wake up and say, is it a weekend? Oh. I'm like, no, mate, it's Wednesday. Yeah. Um, but it can help younger kids for sure. Yeah. And so these are all things that you definitely want to keep the educators in the loop about you know you want to let them know if your child's anxious just so they have the awareness and also let them know um, what you're doing at home to help your little one and communicating with educators is really really important and I was just wondering what you think the best practice is for doing that yeah well um definitely face to face as much as you can um I know that in big centers it's often hard to Share for the educators to share their time, as in preschool as mm-hmm. well, because there's so many children. 
Um, but just keeping that honest, open relationship Dialogue. and yeah. try, you know, a couple of times a week to just touch base, even if it's a couple of minutes, just to have a chat with them, see how your child's going, if you've got any issues that are happening at home. Um, otherwise, another great idea is getting a little communication books so and just like a little exercise book or a diary or whatever and send it with your child each mm. time they're there because you know sometimes you might drop them off at 7 30 and the, their main educator finishes is there that whole time and then finishes before you get you to pick, pick them up, up. yeah um you know I've often gone to pick up my daughter and I'm like how was her day and they're like oh, I don't know I, I just started. just started <laughs> or I wasn't in her room today or whatever like that yeah um yeah having that communication book then if there is any problems or just anything really about their day that deems that's worth knowing. Yeah, yeah worth knowing about they can just jot that down and put it back in your child's bag I guess also asking the yeah. teacher what is the best way to communicate with yeah. you because, you know, I know for myself, I do much better with having things written down. Mm. You know, if I have it written down and I have all the information in front of me, yeah. I feel more informed. Whereas if it's a conversation where, you know, a child's pulling on your leg and the educator's in yeah. between wiping other bottoms and it's like all a bit rushed, you might yeah. not feel that you're being heard. So yeah. for me, I like it written, but asking the teacher the educator, what's the best way to communicate with them, what's easiest for them. Yeah, and a lot of centres now do have little apps like um, mm. Kindy Hub or Story Park and things like that that they send you stuff to your phone or your iPad or whatever about photos and little ditties about the day. And um, sometimes you can, I think on some of those, you can, like, pr send a private message. Oh, that's fancy. Um, on that, Um yeah, so perhaps that, that might be their preferred mode of communication. But, yeah, just a few things to keep in mind. Definitely. And what sort of things do you think you need to communicate? So, obviously, anxiety, any fears, fears. abilities. Yeah, any concerns that you might have. Um, are they toileting? How they're going with toileting? Things they like. Yeah, things... Just and particularly if there's any changes in your home, mm, a mum and dad yeah. separated. Yeah, did you just like move that. house? Yeah. Did grandma die? Did, yeah, did you get a new, new siblings? Is a massive one, you know. And you may think that it's not affecting your child, <laughs> yeah. but it can. Yeah, and come out and play or yeah, anything, anyway. Yeah. So as I said before, just keeping that open lines of communication where you can be like, hey. You know, just letting you know we had a really hard morning this morning. Such and such didn't want to come crying. Mm -hmm. um, just wanted to let you know. So. Yeah, so that they kept in the loop. Yeah. And so another topic that you can't avoid when it comes to daycare is what is the rule or what's your rule <laughs> on sending kids to daycare if they're not 100%? Because the moment kids go to daycare, they become little snot machines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such a hard one because, like, it's so hard. You, I'm on both ends of the spectrum. Like, yeah. you're working, but you have to, you know, deal with kids that are unwell. So, and you don't um, want to spread it around, but you know they bloody caught it there in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so tricky. But I always refer to the staying healthy in childcare guidelines. So you can, if you Google staying healthy in childcare PDF, you can get that and. Pretty much every service has a printed copy of that and they refer to that because it has all the exclusion periods. It's basically got like an index at the back that has everything from A to Z mm. that you could get. So Croup, will, ringworm, like <laughs> hand, foot stuff. and mouth. So it will outline like if you've vomited within 12 hours yeah. or 24 hours, if it's you've a had, no. Yeah, if you've had a temperature in the last 12 hours, you need to stay home. Or yeah. it has, yeah, like protocols to follow in terms of hygiene, um, what the parents need to do, what the educators need to do, exclusion periods, that sort of thing. Um, everyone always asks me about the snotty nose business. Yeah, Some people are like, heard... if it's green, it's a no-go. That's what I've heard. But oh, it's so hard. It, I, I feel like you have to look like everything else with the child holistically. The whole picture. The whole child. If they've just got a snotty nose but they're running around like a nut, you know, and they seem themselves apart from a snot or a bit of a sneeze, mm. but it's green, are you going to send them home? Because then the parents are going to be like, 
yet they're just like climbing up the walls here. <laughs> See, and I they're not like, sick. I feel like that really comes down to the educator because I know some educators who have se- who do send kids mm-hmm. home if they have greens not. But I feel like because you're a mum, you're like, you know what? Come here, little Johnny. Blow your nose and get on with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and two, I've only got four. Yeah. So it's a different ratio. Yeah, yeah. Like if you've got 10 that look like that, you pretty much like, what are you going to do? Has not going to be <laughs> covered in snot. But I think a rule of thumb that I have is if they need Panadol or Nurofen or some sort of pain relief before coming, then probably need to not a good home for a rest. Yeah, like, that's fair. Yeah. I think one thing you said to me when the boys were in your care was if they can't participate. Yeah. Like if they can't participate, if they're too tired, if they're yeah. too lethargic, then they shouldn't be there. But yeah. if they can still engage and still benefit, yeah. then they're fine to go. For sure. Now, just quickly, two more questions <laughs> for you. I'm sorry. I've had you here all morning. Um, I'm keeping you forever. The first we did touch on, but I think it is worth mentioning because this is a question I get a lot in my DMs is if we're not happy with the center or the educator, Kirby's pulling a face, um, how do we handle that? Now, I know there's policies and things like that, but is that a good question to ask? Like, what is your policy if I'm unhappy? Yeah, and I think that goes back to having the open lines of communication with the service. Mm. If you're upfront about your wants, needs, hopes for your child, you can say, I've had, I'm a bit nervous or, you know, I've had problems in the past. Can you tell me what I need to do if any issues arise? Because I know I've actually read in the forum a few people are having issues about... Can I say that? <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> you know, if, if they don't, they're not agreeing with something that the educators are saying... Yeah. ...or, yeah, or doing with their child in terms of maybe behaviour management mm. or things like that... You are so within your right to question that. And, like, we're all human. We all make mistakes. If you feel like, oh, that just doesn't sit right with me, then ask because most of the time they will be able to say, well, this is why we're doing it for X, Y, Z reasons. And then maybe you'll go, oh, okay, well, you might not totally agree with what they're doing, Mm. but you can go, okay, well, I agree with you, but can we do it in a more gentle way or, yeah. you know, you work together to create the solution. Or it could just start a big conversation and positive change. Yeah. Like I can think of a lot of examples and one is in particular when one of my little boys was told at a family daycare, uh, not family. No. <laughs> at, no, that wouldn't happen. At a long daycare that he couldn't pretend to be a mum because he was a boy. Yeah. And like, for, you know, for some families that might not be an issue. They might think, well, of course he can't pretend to be a mum. He's a boy. But for me... I really encourage the boys to pretend to be whatever they want to be and it's innocent. And so I brought that up and it allowed that educator to have a conversation with me on the topic and to see our opinion and to also speak with other educators and realize, you know what, it's actually, it's inhibiting their play to put rules on their play like that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just comes down to like their own background, I guess. We Mm. all come we all have different beliefs. Yeah. Based off our and, own experiences. You know, and that. They might just not have been exposed to that before. Yeah. But, um, I mean, you need to sort of get informed about what policies and what steps or, sorry, procedures that you need to go about if you mm, want to talk to them. So if you want, need to talk to, firstly, talk to the person who it's involved in, obviously, mm-hmm. and talk straight with the educator um talk to the director yeah if that doesn't work some uh, preschools often have a management committee um family daycare has their coordinators and field coordinators that are above them and the directors um and there's I mean, always somewhere you can go if you're not happy to resolve yeah the for sure and you might get a satisfactory resolution or you might not yeah um we had an incident in family daycare which i've spoken about before family daycare. Oh, not family oh my gosh i'm so sorry it's oh, just you're in front of me an issue in front of, with long daycare where i picked the boys up we're not against long daycare. no we're not we're not but i just wanted to share this experience because when i did share it initially i had so many messages from parents saying oh my goodness i wish i had the guts to speak up mm. And you don't need to have guts. You just need to remember, like Kirby said, you are your children's advocate. And we had an experience where I'd pick the boys up and one of them said, oh, we've been watching Ninja Turtles. 
And I thought, surely not. And so on the way out, I passed the manager and I said, oh, the boys have said that they've been watching Ninja Turtles on the big TV today. And it was really patronizing. And she said, oh, I think they're making it up and um, that wouldn't happen here, which I really thought, oh, okay, interesting. And then as I left, I saw their teacher and I asked her and she said, oh, yes, as a reward, we let them watch Ninja Turtles on YouTube. And I was like, okay, that's a problem with me. But it was like the center couldn't understand that was a problem. So I went above and I went to sort of the governing body and I did get a better result from that. But yeah, I guess I'm just sharing that because I think it's important to speak up when you're not happy. Yeah. And the only thing that can come out of really speaking up is improvement. Yeah. And you can realize maybe that's not the right center for you and then you can explore other places. Yeah. So this has definitely been a very informative podcast, I think. I think a lot of people will be able to take notes away from this. And if anyone wants to find you, Kirby, not in person, (laughs) um, but online, where should they go? Um, So I share little snippets of what we do at my family daycare um, at thelearningstudio.fdc on Instagram. And I share so many cool articles, (laughs) which I pretty much just share because I want to have them there so I can go back on them because it's so cool, Um, on my Facebook page, which is thelearningstudio.fdc. But yeah, follow along on Facebook because there's some awesome stuff out there. You'll be super informed. Yeah, you'll be so informed (laughs) about brain development and sensory processing And all of that good stuff. (laughs) But we really hope you've enjoyed this episode. Make sure you take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories, tag me at Kylie Camps, jump over to Kirby's Instagram and her Facebook page as well. And we will chat with you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.